Earlier this year, the Trump administration lifted the suspension of Title III of the Helms-Burton Act. That action has allowed U.S. citizens who had property in Cuba confiscated by the state to file suit in the United States against persons that may be trafficking in that confiscated property. We're going to discuss some recent Helms-Burton developments you'll want to hear about, so stay where you are. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to Jones Day Talks. Rick Puente has extensive experience representing clients in investment and commercial disputes. He has argued cases on behalf of major financial institutions and global corporate entities in federal and state courts and before international arbitration tribunals in the United States, Latin America, and Europe. Chris Pace represents clients in commercial disputes, trade secrets, unfair competition cases, money laundering, and other criminal investigations, as well as prosecutions and federal antitrust and RICO actions. He has appeared on behalf of Fortune 500 companies in cases across the country, including a multi-district litigation proceedings. Chris, Rick, thanks for taking some time to be with us today. Glad to be here, Dave. Thanks for having us, Dave. All right, Chris, to you first. We recorded a program a few months back about the Helms-Burton Act. And for people who don't know or can't recall, refresh our memories, what exactly was Helms-Burton intended to do when it was implemented back in 1996? And what changed under the Trump administration earlier this year? What brought Helms-Burton back to uh, attention, I guess? Helms-Burton was passed in 1996. It had a couple of purposes, one of which was to codify, put into a statute, the existing embargo against Cuba, it was to have some certain impact on immigration issues relating to Cubans traveling in the United States. But it, a particular provision was to allow United States nationals to sue companies that were using the property of theirs that had been confiscated by the Cuban government back, generally back in the 19, late 1950s or early 1960s. Okay. It's that last part, the lawsuits, that was suspended in 1996, and every president since then has suspended it. President Trump decided to no longer suspend that provision, which means that U.S. nationals who owned property in Cuba that was confiscated by the Cuban government can now bring lawsuits against companies or individuals that they believe are now benefiting from that property. Okay, so... When we discussed this, and I think it was back in April, and our listeners can find that podcast at jonesday.com, last time we talked, not many cases had been filed. There was very little litigation pending. Over to Rick, what's changed since then? Well, Dave, since, since then, we've seen a number of lawsuits being filed across various industries. We've seen a class action lawsuit filed. We've seen foreign companies, companies from the European Union, named as defendants, a company from Canada named as a defendant. So we've seen now an expansion in terms of number of lawsuits, industries covered, jurisdictions where these lawsuits have been filed. Mm -hmm. Initially, they were filed solely in the Southern District of Florida. We've seen more lawsuits now filed in the District Court of Columbia, in Federal Court in Nevada, a Federal Court in the state of Washington. So an expansion in the number of cases, uh, in the types of defendants, and we've even seen a class action lawsuit, which is really the first of its kind. 
Okay. You mentioned some EU-based companies. They are suing in U.S. courts? That's right. Uh, well, these are defendants that are being sued from right. the EU okay. in U.S. courts. So now we're going to see uh, perhaps an application of these blocking statutes that we initially mentioned in the podcast. Spain, for instance, Canada, they have blocking statutes that would have an impact and that could have an impact on how these cases are defended and how they progress. So that's going to impact service of process issues and is going to impact discovery issues. Dave, this is Chris, just for our listeners. Yeah. After Helms-Burton was passed in 1996, some other countries who disagreed with it as an approach to say, wait a second, that, that's kind of an issue for Cuba, not an issue for you, United States, passed statutes that essentially said companies within their country cannot be involved in these lawsuits, and if they do get sued, they can sue right back in their own country. So that's what we're referring to when we talk about blocking statutes. Really? Oh, okay. Okay. So now, I, I've got to ask, are these countries normally allies or friendly countries to the United States and its interests? Yes. Yes, they are, Dave. This is Rick. Uh, basically, you know, Spain, uh, as, as you know, is, is an ally. So sure. is Canada. Uh, so are the member countries of the EU. Certainly, the embargo is focused against Cuba. Uh, but one of the things that the Helms-Burton Act has is a provision that says companies cannot raise the defense of the act of state doctrine. So these blocking statutes are basically sort of a, a way that, that the countries are protecting their sovereignty mm -hmm. and their laws. So it'll be interesting to see how these cases and how those defenses develop. Absolutely. I never heard blocking statutes. You learn something every day at Jones Day Talks. All right, Chris, let's think about some of the cases that Rick was alluding to. Any significant developments or actions or things we ought to know about at this point? Again, this is all coming at us fast and really since late spring, but uh, what's your read right now? What, what should we be thinking about and are any de significant decisions reached yet? Well, we, we have had two decisions on motions this miss and significantly most both of them have been denied. In all these cases, they're at an early stage, uh, particularly the cases that have been filed in the last few weeks. There were cases, the first wave of cases did involve claims against Carnival Cruise Lines. Mm -hmm. Two different judges in our district here in the Southern District of Florida have ruled on motions to dismiss. Carnival advanced a number of different arguments, one of which was to say, well, under Helms-Burton, lawful travel is an exclusion from liability, from trafficking. And both the judges denied it at a motion is missed stage, which only means that they were holding that there could be factual issues so that it can't be decided without some discovery occurring. Carnival even sought to be able to have a appeal that to the 11th Circuit on an early basis, and the judges have disagreed with allowing them to do that. So again, still early basis, but at least initial reaction from the courts have been that these cases are at least viable enough to go into discovery and to be litigated. Okay, so th these things may have legs. Hey, I, I, I'm going off script a bit here, but, you know, Carnival Cruise Lines, household word, right? Everybody knows Carnival. You know, you see the commercials, like during the Super Bowl every year, they run commercials, that kind of thing. But what is at issue here? Did Carnival seize tracts of land or ports or do you happen to know what actually they think was pilfered by Carnival at some point? Well, Dave, the Carnival Cruise Lines involve the port, the use of the port okay. in Havana, 
and the use of the port in Santiago, Cuba. What's interesting about uh, those cases is that they involve the issue of certified claims and uncertified claims. So as you may recall from the initial podcast, there is a difference. The certified claims under Helms-Burton are those that have a presumption of being valid as to the owner and as to the amount. And the one in the Havana docks involving the cruise lines, that involves a certified claim. Okay. The one in Santiago docks involves both a certified and an uncertified claim. So those are interesting legal issues that we will see how they develop in the course of the proceedings. So, you know, those, those are cases also that involve the travel exception, the travel defense, right. which the court has allowed to progress past the motion to dismiss stage. In other words, having a license alone under by issued by OFAC was insufficient to win at the dismissal stage, at least in front of those two judges, right? right. But that's basically something to see and to follow. Okay. Yeah, sounds like the Carnival case just by itself is absurdly complicated. It'll be interesting to see how other cases unfold. Okay, let's go back a few months. When we originally talked about Helms-Burton, we discussed how then-National Security Advisor John Bolton had announced that the president was going to allow lawsuits to be filed under the act. Mr. Bolton has left the administration and has been replaced by one Robert O'Brien. Now, I did a little research. Uh, Mr. O'Brien, by trade, is a very successful trial lawyer, I believe in the Los Angeles area. He was also the hostage affairs envoy for the Trump administration and previously held a couple lower-level positions in the George W. Bush administration. Rick, what's the potential significance of this changing of the guard? We've now got Robert O'Brien. We don't have Mr. Bolton, who... Maybe wasn't a household word exactly, but you know people knew of John Bolton, at least in these circles, and he had a reputation and probably an agenda. What do we know about Mr. O'Brien so far? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting development, and so far as, as you may recall, Dave, John Bolton was the one who announced the suspension of Title III would no longer be in effect, and right. he came down to South Florida to make that announcement. So he was seen as being closely tied to Title III and Helms-Burton. Mr. O'Brien is, is an interesting replacement, right? Appears to be uh, different. He's an outsider. He's a government outsider, right. right? And so that in itself is something to take note of. He's also a, apparently a person that is known to have views favoring a tougher approach with Iran. But we don't know what his position is, quite frankly, with respect to Cuba and Venezuela. Mr. Trump, shortly after uh, Mr. Bolton's replacement, said that he would continue his tough stance against Venezuela, he specifically mentioned. I see. You got to factor in the reality that in 2020, we're going to be having an election and Florida is an important state for, for Mr. Trump. Oh, yes. uh, Venezuela is a sensitive issue. It's closely tied to Cuba and, and to Nicaragua, which uh, Mr. Bolton referred to. Uh, so, you know, everybody's playing close attention and everything yeah. that develops is going to be newsworthy uh, with respect to Cuba and Venezuela. But I don't suspect much change, at least right now. Okay. So what do you tell clients? Just pay attention and, you know, stay by the phone, right? you got to watch it. Things could potentially happen quickly or this might drag out for a while. So what do you tell a client who's wondering about this change of direction? I think the short answer is that you need to stay aware of the developments, but not to expect any sea change in the administration's position. They allowed these lawsuits to continue or to be filed in May of this year. 
and there's no reason to believe or at least hold out an expectation that they're going to reverse that in the immediate future. But it's certainly a development that, that needs to be tracked and, and carefully monitored. That's right. And, and I would say just, you know, keep a close eye on, on the dockets and how the cases develop and, and the politics, right? Because sure. uh, the, there's always a possibility the president could suspend uh, Title III, right? Okay. Well, we started to swerve into this. Let's uh, wrap it up with a question, kind of getting at all that. What should we expect next in this area? regarding Helms-Burton and, and more litigation or less. What do you guys see coming next? Chris, let's start with you. I expect that we're going to see additional lawsuits, including touching on additional industries. I think there's a combination of factors. One is just that it's a new law and it took a little while before some people researched their claims and started filing their lawsuits. Also, as, as Rick mentioned, there's a certain concern that the lawsuit, the right to file lawsuits might be suspended. So, again, the last couple of weeks, we've seen a real rush of lawsuits being filed, probably almost a dozen. And I think we're going to continue to see, maybe not at that pace, but we're going to continue uh -huh. to see more lawsuits. The second thing is, you know, I commented earlier, there's only been two decisions on the motions dismissed. The law is very undeveloped when it comes to this statute. I think we're going to see additional, we're clearly going to see additional judges making rulings in these cases. And I think we're probably eventually going to start to see some divergence. The two rulings right now are pretty consistent with each other. It will not surprise me if we're going to see some other federal district judges taking a different view of, of how to apply uh, or what the meaning is of Helms-Burton. Really? Okay. Well, th that will complicate things yet again and, and make this even more interesting. Rick, what would you add to uh, what Chris just said? Yeah, on the international front, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the countries apply their blocking statutes. And now that more international defendants are added, uh, we'll be closely monitoring what what happens in countries such as Canada and Spain. Good, yeah. good enough, good enough. You know, you guys are always great. This topic is so interesting. I have a feeling we're going to be talking again probably sooner than later. But thanks for your time today. Great information as always. And uh, we're going to watch as things develop here with Helms Burton. Thanks to you both. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. All right, have a good day. You can find complete bios for Rick and Chris at jonesday.com. And be sure to visit our insights page on the site where you'll find additional podcasts, including the one on Helms Burton that Rick and Chris recorded for us earlier in the year. Subscribe to Jones Day Talks on Apple Podcasts, and thanks as always for listening. I'm Dave Dalton. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.